It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. Well, the Raiders' playoff hopes are pretty much over, but we still have four more games left on the docket, including this Sunday against the New England Patriots. So we've got this week's injury report, the news stories, and your questions to get to. Let's do it. The House Oversight and Reform Committee released a 79-page final report from their investigation of the Washington Commander's owner, Daniel Snyder, for workplace misconduct within the organization. The report's most significant refining was that Snyder, quote-unquote, permitted and participated in the team's toxic work culture, and the NFL was complicit in Snyder's attempts to recover up the scandal, per ESPN. Former Raiders head coach John Gruden's racist and misogynic emails, which were leaked to the media back in October of 2021 and led to his resignation, were also brought up in the report. Bruce Allen, former Raiders executive and former commander's president and the recipient of Gruden's emails, testified that Lisa Friel, the NFL's senior vice president, indicated to him that the commanders were responsible for the leak. ESPN's report states that investigators found evidence that Snyder's lawyers sent the emails to the league in the summer of 2021, essentially in an attempt to make Allen a scapegoat for the, whip, for the workplace misconduct allegations. In a surprising move, the Raiders waived guard John Simpson on Friday after the loss to the Rams. Simpson was a starter all of last season and was the team's starting left guard for weeks one and two of this season, but hadn't seen the field since then until Alex Bars went down last Thursday. So, Simpson finished the game and was cut a day later, and that was after head coach Josh McDaniel said that Bars was probably going to miss some time. The 2020 fourth-round picks released leaves cornerback Amick Robinson as, as the last of the seven remaining picks on the roster from that draft class, and Robinson was the last pick of that year. Simpson would go unclaimed, but did visit the Ravens on Thursday. I'll go ahead and transition to the rest of this week's roster moves as the Raiders claimed guard Nate Matui off the Broncos' practice squad. Matui actually played last week and has been with Denver since 2020 as he was a sixth-round pick out of Fresno State. With Barz's injury, and the Raiders also waived guard Lester Cotton, by the way, there's a good chance Matui could start this Sunday. To make room on the roster, the Raiders placed linebacker Jayon Brown on injury reserve with a hand injury, and that will end his season and give more opportunities to rookie Luke Masterson. Las Vegas also called up offensive lineman Hironis Grasso from the practice squad and signed linebacker Keanu Maga and guard Willie Wright to the practice squad. Maga is a rookie from USC who has also spent time with the Broncos, while Wright is a three-year vet out of Tulsa who has spent time on a few teams' practice squads. The Raiders also signed guard Jordan Merida to the practice squad, and Merida spent training camp with the team. As an update from last week, defensive tackle Kendall Vickers signed to the Bills practice squad after the Raiders let him go from the active roster and were reportedly interested in bringing him back. The Arizona Cardinals waived former Raiders cornerback Trayvon Mullen this week, which means the conditional 7th round pick the Raiders received from him will now stay a 7th rounder as it could have been a 6th had he played in two more games. The Cowboys ended up claiming Mullen later in the week. For a visits update, defensive back and Grey Cup champion Jamal Peters and veteran tight end Levine Toilolo were in Las Vegas this week. While the Raiders are virtually eliminated from the playoffs, they do still have a small mathematical chance at making the postseason if they run the table, so I figured I'd run through how the Raiders can get eliminated this weekend. 
If the Raiders lose and the Dolphins beat the Bills on Saturday night, then Las Vegas is eliminated. Or if the Raiders lose and the Jets beat the Lions, then Las Vegas is also eliminated. In other words, this Sunday against the Patriots really is a must-win game if the Raiders want to have any chance at making the playoffs. All right, time for your news roundup of the week. Last Thursday, defensive end Max Crosby joined teammate Chandler Jones as the only defensive lineman to record 70-plus tackles and 10-plus sacks in their first 13 games of the season. And on a related note, running back Josh Jacobs set a couple of franchise records against the Rams, surpassing Napoleon Kaufman with 36 runs of 10 or more yards on the season, and Jacobs scored his 11th rushing TD, which is the most in 13 games by a Raider, since Latavius Murray in 2016. The Raiders also got good news in regards to Jacobs, as the x-rays were negative on his injured pinky finger, and he was able to function after propping it back into place, so it sounds like he just dislocated it last Thursday. Las Vegas got even more good injury news this week as tight end Darren Waller and wide receiver Hunter Renfro both returned to practice, practice excuse me, starting their three-week clock to get activated, and it seems like they'll be able to play on Sunday. Heading into the weekend, the Raiders currently hold the 8th pick of the NFL Draft with the 4-8-1 Colts sitting ahead of them at 7th and the 5-8 Panthers behind them at pick number 9. Moving on to the injury report, and as always, I'll start with the Raiders' DNPs. As mentioned earlier, guard Alex Bars will likely miss the game and hasn't practiced this week with a knee injury, and Matui and Grasso will likely be the two most likely replacements. Cornerback Rocky Sin hasn't practiced for the second week in a row with a knee injury, so Emmick Robinson and Sam Webb will likely get more run this weekend again. The following guys are limited on Thursday. Defensive tackle Andrew Billings, fibula, but that's a good sign for him as he missed last week's game. Offensive tackle Jermaine Illuminor, oblique and wrist. Running back Josh Jacobs, quad and hand. And linebacker Denzel Perryman, hip. Finally, guard Dylan Parham was a full participant with a knee same with Sam Webb, illness, and defensive end Malcolm Kuntz, knee. As for the Patriots, running back Ramondre Stevenson hasn't practiced after suffering an ankle injury last week, and the same goes for wide receiver Devontae Parker with a concussion, cornerback Jack Jones, knee, and offensive tackle Isaiah Wynn, foot. The Pats did get running back Damian Harris, who has been out with a thigh injury, and defensive tackle Christian Barmore, who was on IR with a knee, back at practice in a limited fashion this week as well. And that'll do it for this week's Injury Report. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Mailbag time. As your weekly reminder to have your questions answered on a future podcast, tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to svpquestions1 at gmail.com, adamholder95, or svpquestions1 at gmail.com. First up, can you talk about Max Crosby's hopeless post-game press conference where he gave an indifferent answers like, it sucks, that we have, to, but we have to get off our feet and look at the tape and make a final push. And the question, and the question goes on about the team's effort, yada yada. So here's what I'll say about Max Crosby's post-game press conference. Obviously, it's frustrating to hear. It's frustrating to keep hearing the same things that week after week. I'm there, right, right there with you, especially from you know some of the team's leaders about you know we got to stop shooting ourselves in the foot, and yet they keep shooting themselves in the foot. But I also think it's kind of 
from a player's perspective, sucks to be continuing to say the same things. And I don't know, when I watched that press conference, I just kind of felt like I was looking at a defeated man who just really didn't even know what to say anymore. I think, you know, obviously the emotions of the game were still raw because it was in the locker room and all that stuff. So I don't think from Max Crosby's perspective that he was necessarily trying to be, I don't know what the right word is here. It's like nonchalant or act like he didn't care. To me, it just looked like I was watching a defeated man try and speak. You know, I don't know how much we want to get into it. I understand people are frustrated. And again, I understand people are tired of hearing the same things after over and over again and not seeing any changes and the way the season's gone. But what I will say is, you know, as far as like an effort and stuff like that goes, Max Crosby's not exactly a guy that's just loafing it out there. I mean, we've watched him. He's up there in the, the sacks. He's up there for the most sacks in the NFL, up there with pressures. And I mean, the guy's getting freaking tackled out there, playing his ass off every play in and play out. So for me, I kind of look at those comments as a guy that just doesn't know what to do, doesn't know what to say anymore. Because again, I'm sure he's probably tired of saying the same exact thing every week and giving him the team quit bowling, keep bowling leads and stuff like that. So I think it was probably just a guy who was out of answers, to be honest with you. And I, I can't blame him too much, but I get the frustration. And I will say, uh, did say he feels bad for the fans if that makes it any better and uh, makes him seem or makes him win you guys over a little bit more. But yeah, I get it. Frustrating, but I don't don't know if I look too much into that. Question two: Why did the Raiders waive Simpson and Cotton? It doesn't seem like Simpson got a fair chance, and does this mean McDaniel's is punting on the season? You know, I, I definitely agree with you that I don't feel like Simpson got a fair shot. I didn't think he played all that bad against the uh, against the Rams last week. Actually, thought he played all right. I, like my guy, Mark John, shared a few clips of him making a couple nice blocks on Bobby Wagner. Um, and, I mean, like we were talking about before, we were talking about the Raiders starting guys off the practice squad, whether it was their own or the Broncos practice squad this week. So I definitely feel like Simpson should have been kept around and definitely feel like he got a raw end of the deal. Uh, so I definitely can agree with you on that point. On Cotton, I think it was just a matter of, Guy's been here for, or been around for a while now. I think he's been around since been around since 2019, something like that. 2019, 2020, two, three years. Had his chance to start at the beginning of the year. Was if I remember correctly, he was heading into training camp. He was the uh, the starter, and I feel like for most of camp, he was the starter and just kind of played his way out of it. Um, so I definitely feel like kind of Cotton was just a long time coming, and probably better for him at this point for them for them to move on and try his luck somewhere else. But yeah, with Simpson, didn't make a ton of sense. As far as McDaniel punting on the season, um, I mean, I definitely don't feel like there is a whole lot of a incentive for the Raiders to win. That being said, I don't think this necessarily signals that they are uh, just kind of giving it up and mailing it in. I think especially for McDaniels, I think especially as a head coach where you wear that record, you're really never going to see a team punt or try and tank. I think that's more of a... Honestly, more than anything, more something that gets talked about the fans and the media. And I mean, I still will contend it's a better strategy than uh, for team building than going seven and ten or whatever they're about to do. But I don't think that them getting rid of two guys who are backup guards is really going to be a sign of them punting. I think they're just honestly more than anything. I just think the biggest problem that Simpson and Cotton had where they were brought in by the old regime and the new regime has made it pretty clear. McDaniel's and Ziegler made it pretty clear. That unless you were a stud, you're not going to stay along around very long. I mean, they cut Alex Leatherwood, who was a first-round pick, before the season even started. Pretty much because 
they didn't have or because he wasn't their guy. I mean, at that time, they did not have another right tackle, and they still made that decision. So, yeah, I don't think this is necessarily them punting, but more a sign of they're just going to kind of do it with their guys. And if you're not a stud from the old regime, you're probably not going to stay around for very long. Next up, how are the Gruden slash Mayock picks no, who are no longer on the Raiders doing? Maybe they have blossomed since the, the Raider, they left the Raiders, or they have been, just been draft busts. And this person specifically names Muse, Mullen, Leatherwood, and Edwards. Nice little transition here. Um, so, I mean, they're all not really playing anymore. Uh, Tanner Muse is still on the Seahawks. I believe he's on the active roster at this point, but he's barely pay- played. Uh, Trayvon Mullen, you guys heard me talk about him earlier. He just got let go by the Cardinals, was barely playing for them. I saw this last week. He got credited with four missed tackles. That's probably why they cut him. So he hasn't been playing well. Leatherwood, been playing for the Bears, literally has only played one game this year, at least offensively. So obviously struggling. The Bears are a team that's had offensive line issues this year, so it's not a good sign. And Brian Edwards, if you're listening to last week's show, he got released by the uh, Falcons in a similar situation with Mullen, where, no, I think the Raiders didn't have a conditional pick. I think they just got the fifth for, for Edwards. Never mind. But yeah, so those guys specifically, not really doing much. I mean... Like I kind of like what I was hinting at before, the the guys that are playing, the guys that are um, good players from the Mayock and Gruden era, the McDaniel's and Ziegler are keeping those guys around. They're just not going to be patient with the guys that they don't think are good, like John Simpson, like the guy, like Trayvon Mullen, like Alec Leatherwood and Brian Edwards. So, yeah, most of the guys that have left really haven't done anything. I mean, Jonathan Abram. He's on the Seahawks now uh, after getting let go by the uh, Packers. Um, let's see. Obviously, Josh Jacobs is playing pretty well, but um, let's see. Yeah, but, yeah, most of the picks that have gone are playing pretty bad elsewhere too, which is more frightening when you think about what the, uh, the Gruden era entailed and what that could have been if they had let him go on for 10 years, I guess. All right, last question here. With the signing of Mootsie, if Bars can't go and Muti catches up, um, does he slot in at left guard so they can move Parnum back to right guard? If Moody works out, maybe good for long-term value. He's only 23. So I definitely think you can make that switch. I mean, they could have made that switch too because I don't think Alex Bars was playing any better at right guard and Parnum was there too. I don't know. I feel like they kind of want Parnum to play left guard. Um, I like that whole switch didn't make a ton of sense to me. So I feel like they're trying to groom him at that spot. Uh, exactly why. I don't know. Maybe they want, they're big on the whole blindside thing and they want to stick him there. So, I mean, I guess they could. Moody has pretty much played left guard. It's Fresno too. Um, and as far as him having a good long-term value, I, he was actually a pretty good player coming out of Fresno. His problem was he could just not stay healthy. I think his freshman year, he blew out his Achilles. Um, I think maybe his junior, his, his, let's see, sophomore year or redshirt freshman year, he started like every game and actually played. But that was like the only season he did because I think the year after he got um, got banged up again. And then his last year, he only played in three games. So he's a guy that in the, the draft community, like over the summer and summer scouting, everyone liked, liked to hype up because he's such a physical dude and a really good offensive lineman, a really good guard. But he couldn't stay on the field, and that's why he slid to the sixth round. So I do think there is some potential for him to maybe be like a little diamond in the rough and a little nice late-season pickup there 
where he could maybe even be a starter going into next year. And like you said, he's only 23. There could be a ton of future value. It's just a matter of how long his body can hold up. And that's going to be the biggest thing for him moving forward because he was a beast when he was on the field at Fresno. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode. And as your weekly reminder, the Raiders kick off at 1.05 p.m. PST on Fox this Sunday. So mixing up the channel on you guys, but still in that afternoon West Coast kickoff time slot. As always, make sure you're following Silver and Black Pride. Make sure you're following me on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, guys.